Hi, you've tuned in to the Lovely Travels podcast where we talk about all things travel and adventure. My name is Emma Lovell, also known as Lovely, and I have a mission to visit every UN-recognised country in the world while raising awareness for mental health. Join me as we revisit some of my past adventures, speak to fellow travellers and interesting locals, all while following the journey to 195 countries. I'll be joined soon by my co-pilot, Darius, in Germany. And sometimes we're even going to hit the road together. Make sure to join in the adventure by following me on Instagram, Lovely Travels. You can also join our Facebook group, Lovely Travels Community, and learn more about us at the website, lovelytravels.com. But for now, it's listening time. Travel vicariously along with us. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Lovely Travels podcast. Hello, Darius. How are you today? Good day, Emma. I am fantastic. Thank you for welcoming me. I would also like to welcome our listeners. That means you. Welcome. 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 What are we, what is, what is, what is, what is today's topic of conversation, dear Emma? We are talking about trekking, and in particular, the PCT. Uh, which is a very famous, massive trek in the USA. Uh, but yeah, like trekking for travel. And uh, our lovely guest was Lee Foster. Huh. She's a bit of a trekker, is she? A bit of a trekkie? She Do they is. call themselves trekkies? No, they definitely don't. Um, hiker, trekker. That would probably be it. Uh, hiking community. Uh, but um, we actually, I didn't know Lee to be a trekker when I knew her originally, which was right. when we worked at Arizona. Do you remember Arizona? Oh, like the, 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 the restaurant? The Tex-Mex restaurant at Miranda Fair. Oh, jeez. Oh, and wasn't there a GPK in the spot where Arizona was? Or did that come no, before GPK, Arizona? Um, no, GPK. No, GPK was on the other end of uh-huh. on the main road, yeah. So, for, wow. for all you Shire folks who are listening, we're really reminiscing <laughs> about uh, the old Westfield Miranda here. But um, I used to work when I was uh, from 16, 17, I worked at Arizona, the Tex-Mex restaurant, and I worked there with Lee. And, yeah, at the time she wasn't much of a trekker, um, and, but now she is. And she did this, like, it's like four, it takes like, well, sorry, it takes six months. And before that she did a trek across New Zealand for six months. So this is like hardcore. This is not wow. a weekend walk. Yeah. How do and you, I, yeah. Okay. Um, well, she'll wow. tell us all about all of it because, like, I'm not even going to start because I love tre- I love trekking too. The longest I've done is 12 days. Um, this is next level stuff, and um, I just had so much admiration, and I loved following her journey um, on Facebook. She just do like a post a day, and just uh, just the endurance and the organization and the uh, I don't know, just the willpower to to do that is is phenomenal. That's amazing. Yeah. I'm just looking at some pictures, and she has a tiny little backpack. She must be <laughs> yeah. super organized. Well, you. When you're walking every day for six months, you probably don't want to carry a lot. But we'll go through all of that, packing, preparing, how she got into it. Um, Super interesting, lovely person and uh, just 
so much admiration, so much respect. So uh, this was a really, I was, you can hear I'm very, very interested throughout the whole time. Yeah, not that I'm not interested all the time, but this was definitely one for me, guys. This is fantastic. Um, unless there is anything else left to say, I suggest we jump right in. Let's listen. Enjoy, guys. Welcome to the podcast today, Lee. Hi, thanks for having me. It's this is super fun um, because I've known you for a very long time, but we haven't got to catch up for a while, so it's going to be a good old chat. But I always like to start with um, tell us a bit about who you are and maybe how we know each other. Sure. So we go back a long way now. I don't know how many years. I was 16, so um, wow. 17 years. <laughs> okay, 17 years, and we met waitressing yes. at a local restaurant in Miranda. Yeah, text And they were fun times. Yeah, <laughs> they were very fun times. Um, yeah, and it's been a while. It has been a while since then, and there's been lots of adventures that have happened. Um, so, yeah, a bit about me. I... I guess I'd like to consider myself an ordinary adventurer. So I'm an accountant by day and um, weekend warrior and I love everything outdoors um, and adventuring, so particularly hiking, but recently I've been getting into canyoning as well. Um, so anytime there's a chance to get out outdoors and in nature, um, I'm into it. Was that, a th- was that always a thing, like for you, like growing up or, you know, has that been a later it's- in life? Thing. Yeah, it's an interesting one because, I mean, I grew up in Grays Point, which is right uh, in the National Park. So it was always, you know, we were surrounded by bush and environment was always something that was like close to me during childhood, but never, and I was a girl guide growing up, but then sort of during my uni years, never really did, and early work years, never really did too much um, outdoorsy stuff. And then slowly started to get back into it Um, I discovered a love of diving when I finished uni I went overseas to South Africa and I went to dive there and that sort of started the passion for doing some more adventurous type traveling and then started doing uh, day hiking and that kind of progressed into overnight hiking and that progressed into longer hikes and then yeah eventually landed us um, my partner and I walking for a year um, across two countries. <laughs> it did kind of progress over time. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I just, I just had the biggest like flashback to the fact that we hung out in England and in um, Czech yeah. Republic and we had our own little adventure where we couldn't find each other on New Year's Eve. We were oh meant to go gosh. to that party together. at the. It's like the biggest nightclub in Eastern Europe or something like that. And we couldn't find each other and, and it was like, well, it's not going to happen. So we both entered the club and then bumped each other, into each other on the stairwell in this club. <laughs> that was the craziest night. I remember that. And I remember having other friends there as well who I also lost during the evening, then found them later at the hostel. That was crazy. Yeah, it's that passionate. was 2006. <laughs> 2006 seven. So Very different times now. Yeah, different type of adventuring. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think I'm pretty sure we caught up in London too. I, th- I have a memory of us being on a bus. And I think I probably yeah. have a photo of us. I think I stayed with your family. 
Probably. Were you staying with your cousins over there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just that. Um, yeah. Uh, okay, that just it just came to me like a like a bolt of lightning and I'm like, I yeah. can now my photo album. So, yeah, your your travel has definitely um, changed. But, yeah, I didn't, I didn't remember because when I've seen you doing all this walking, obviously we've stayed connected on Facebook and everything. Yeah. I was like, I don't remember you being like you know I knew where you lived naturally you know near the national park and stuff and yeah I was like I didn't think you were a massive bushwalker and hiker and stuff so no and I think I think as well I was never the fittest kid growing up so <laughs> I never considered myself able to do these things it's only sort of when you, you know you get past that at a certain point in life and I thought oh I can just do it like I can get the fitness and I'll get there and be able to do it so yeah it's been a, a gradual gradual build-up. Awesome. And so you grew up in Sydney, but where are you living mm. now? So I'm living in Katoomba at the moment. Uh, my partner and I bought a place up here a few years back and um, we were leasing it out. And then we, as I mentioned earlier, spent a year, took a year off work and we spent a year hiking. And then after that, I ended up going back to uh, do some work in Cambodia. And I was over there for about six months. And then COVID happened and I came home um, back to Sydney. My partner was still living in Sydney. Uh, and then we found out that our tenant was moving out. This is, I moved back the end of March and we found out this, about, I think about a week after I moved back. Um, and there's also flood damage. You might be able to see behind me, there's holes in the ceiling. Oh. <laughs> so there was flood damage from February and um, the tenant was moving out. We had to get work done. Uh, so we decided, well, we're both working from home. I was working remotely, you know, with Cambodia. Adam was working remotely as well. Let's move up and have some extra space and be up in the mountains for a little while. So we've been here ever since. Very cool. And so mm. what is your region then? Because you're out just outside of Sydney, right? Yeah, it's weirdly. So it's really still greater Sydney because when all those ah. uh, restrictions happened yep. and, you know, people weren't from greater Sydney went a lot of travel to uh Queensland and things yes. like that <laughs> I was checking and we're still technically greater Sydney um uh, yeah yeah but blue sure. mountains mm. yeah oh be- absolutely beautiful and it I very much appeals to your uh, adventurous side it does and so the canyoning is a new thing yeah so I started doing a bit of canyoning um, a couple of years back before we went overseas and uh, ended up going out with a friend who whose partner was into canyoning and we'd done a couple of uh, guided trips and then she said, oh, you should come out with my partner and I. So we did and fell in love with it and now we've been sort of building up our skills and our gear as well, buying bits and pieces of gear um, and just starting to venture out on our own. So still learning a lot but... It's and so is canyoning exciting. like kind of like rock climbing on crack or like? <laughs> um, so usually it won't involve climbing. It's more scrambling. So normally you're, you're making your way through the canyon uh, using, you know, you might be abseiling um, down waterfalls and using ropes, um, scrambling over rocks and jumps into pools. So it's normally, you can have dry canyons as well, but I think the water is most of the fun. Um yeah, so it's an adventurous way to see some different parts of of the bush that you maybe otherwise didn't even know existed. There's some really beautiful stuff out there, uh, especially That's up here. 
Yeah, it's gorgeous. Very That's lush and green. Very cool. And so the reason, yeah, you've you've mentioned a couple of times, but like you went hiking for a year. Mm. I mean, how did that how did you guys come to that decision and and make that kind of happen because that's a big time to like well you know people might travel for a year but like like doing a walking trip that's huge yeah so I've had the PCT on my bucket list for probably 10 years I remember seeing it was just when we were getting into hiking and I saw this article in um it was of all things my health fund used to send out this magazine and I saw it in this magazine and I was like oh that's amazing imagine walking from one end of America to the other like I yeah. can't imagine doing that but what a crazy adventure so I'd like cut it out and stuff it on my fridge and it's sort of been there ever since so it was always in the back of my mind and then uh, we we're doing more and more hiking and then uh, I was working for a startup company in Sydney and uh, it unfortunately uh, you know didn't things didn't go the way that they were planning to um, and so Everyone was pretty much made redundant in the end and the company was wound down. Um, and I thought, well, what better time to to go and do it? And um, Adam had was coming up to his long service leave, so he'd been with his job for almost 10 years and we thought, oh, if we're wow. going to do it ever, now is the time. But we were sort of uh, couldn't, we weren't aligned on on hiking the PCT. So I'd always wanted to do it. And Adam was a little bit more um, apprehensive because of the distance. And he'd been researching other long trails and he said, I think we should try this other trail in New Zealand first. It's not as long. And I thought, okay, well, the timing works with when we, you know, finish up work and and, and, um, and we'll be ready to kind of to start hiking. And I thought, okay, well, we can do that, but I still want to hike the PCT. So in the end, our compromise was that we'd take a year off and hike both trails <laughs> rather than taking six months off to hike one. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's so, yeah, and I'll just say for the listeners, so Pacific, it's the Pacific Coast Trail is, is the, uh, but it's known Pacific as Pacific Crest Trail, Crest, yeah. Pacific Crest, yeah. Yeah. So, but it's, everyone calls it the PCT PCT yeah and so then what was the one in New Zealand so the one in New Zealand I'm going to butcher this but it's called the Te Araroa Trail um which means the long pathway in Maori and it um it runs uh, similarly runs from the top end of the North Island to the bottom end of the South Island uh and it's a relatively new trail uh it's not as old as the PCT and being New Zealand, it's quite rugged and it's it's still being formed in places. Wow. Uh, but it was a super adventurous way to see New Zealand and, it, yeah, it was, it was beautiful. And did do you go north to south instead of south to north? Yeah, yeah, so you do. You can do it either direction but the timing worked out better for us. So we started... Um, we started in... October 2018 um, and finished around March. But the TA the is nice because um, especially on the North Island, I mean, it, get, it gets its kind of a bad rap for it, but it goes through a lot of towns. So 
for us, we enjoyed it. We, we thought it was like a crazy way to get into through hiking because you have plenty of time off and we took little holidays along the way and did side trips and did some of New Zealand's great walks as well. So uh, for us, it was, yeah, it was a, a nice slow way to see New Zealand. So did you ever, ever get in a vehicle or you were always walking? We did. So we, we were not purists for the TA. Uh, we, there's some really long stretches, stretches of highway that the, the trail makers, they haven't figured out a way to get around yet. They might be working out, you know, access to land mm. or things like that. So there are some really long stretches of highway and that, that gets really hard on your feet pretty quickly. Yes. So, and your joints. So we, there were people that that did do that and they would push themselves to sort of walk every step of the trail. But for us, that was not why we came to do it. Like you can walk on a highway anywhere. It's not the, the most enjoyable thing to do. No. So we would hitchhike and um, not all of it. We walked some of the roads and some of the highways, but that in itself was, you know, was another kettle of fish. We'd never hitchhiked before, before going to New Zealand. And we met some of the most incredible people. And yeah. it was always really eye-opening. He would stop and pick you up on the side of the road when you, you know, you look like a hobo and you smell pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> and so the, the accommodation, I guess, was probably a bit nicer. Or you could have, you had the option to stay in nicer places. But you were yeah. you camping as well? Yeah, well, camping most of the time, uh, we did we did uh, sort of splurge on hotels every now and then, but you might sort of, you know, on the North Island end up in, in a town and camp at a holiday park, but on the South Island it was predominantly sort of bush camping or in DOC campgrounds and that sort of thing. Wow. Yeah. And so how do you, and how do you budget for like six months of, of that? Yeah, it, it's hard. It's, um... Uh, New Zealand's probably more of an expensive hike because you spend so much time in and around towns and you you can't always free camp. You know, you have to, you can't just camp somewhere, um, anywhere you want in New Zealand anymore. You might have to camp in a campground and pay for Mm. it. Um, So it is a little bit more expensive. Um, We're kind of lucky. I mean, Adam had his long service leave, so he was still getting paid while we were there. And, you know, I had a payout from being made redundant if you can call that lucky so um it worked out well um but we kind of just went off rough guides of of what people were saying they spent and kind of crossed our fingers and went from there (laughs) yeah I just I think about like and then the food situation like how do you plan ahead because I mean you weren't always sure you were going to be in a town right so how do you plan food yeah it's um and that's probably one of the biggest things that I was nervous about going into it is that you don't know once you get you get into a long trail and you, you start a rhythm and you you get used to it it's you know you kind of think oh what was I worried about at the start but when you're planning a journey like that you kind of think oh do I have to plan all of my food drops or the whole thing or like how do you do this but um because you're through going through so many towns on the North Island you kind of just work out okay how many days till I get to the next town ruffling and you kind of budget an extra day's food um and yeah that, that's pretty much how we took it there was only probably three places that we sent a food drop to like so we'd get to a bigger town send uh, package up a box full of you know non-perishable food items and then ship it to ourselves in another town so there's a couple of places in the South Island we needed to do that, but mostly you just kind of work out roughly how long it's going to be to the next town and then you stock up when you get there. 
It blows my mind because, like, I'm looking. I want to do um, the um, in Tasmania Cradle Mountain. Oh, the Overland. Overland. Yeah. And we were almost going to do it, and then you know had all things lined up, or starting to get the information actually from our friend um, Jessica Picton's done it. Oh yeah. And I was like, had all these things lined up, and then it was like, idiot. Um, national park passes they um sell out oh. so quickly so <laughs> we just we didn't we hadn't bought all the stuff or anything but we were like yeah. it was just all going ahead planning and I was like this isn't so hard what's everyone talking about <laughs> and I was like you literally can't go into the national park because it gets full but yeah. I, I am a bit daunted also by the carrying of stuff because I've done a, quite a bit of trekking you've probably seen but yeah it's definitely on the glampy side yeah. <laughs> um, where I'm going with a company um I was often the tour leader and your tent gets set up for you it's carried for you you're really carrying only I, I was only carrying a day pack ever even I did Kokoda last year yeah where you have you do have the option to carry your bag and I said no thank you I'll pay the local <laughs> so you know I really wanted to do one but it's like yeah you are you're carrying everything you're carrying your tent you're carrying yeah. your sleeping mat you're carrying your clothing for the foreseeable future and and I'm only looking at seven days and I'm like oh my god how do you carry all this yeah food? it's that's amazing you get, you get um it doesn't take long and you realise what you need and what you don't and you kind of you cut that list down pretty fast otherwise you end up pretty sore trying to carry it all. But, yeah, the food situation does get pretty grim and the longer you're on a trail, the less you care about it and everything starts to look good. Um, they call it hiker hunger and it sets in differently for different people but normally after a month, you know, you're eating the weirdest concoction of food. So dinner might be... Uh, ramen with um, powdered mashed potato mixed in it. It's just <laughs> the highest calorie things you can possibly find. Um, and, you know, l- standard lunch would be like a tortilla because they last forever. They're so full of preservatives with peanut butter on it and maybe some like trail mix, you know, it's or, or you might have like I would try and if I went to town, get some eggs and boil them and carry those for a couple of days or cheese, things like that that keeps. But it's normally the highest uh calorie to weight ratio that you can find so a lot of nut butter (laughs) yeah wow oh my god yeah and look so it's a pretty weird um (laughs) warm-up easing yourself in uh doing a six-month trip um but then you went on the pct which is that's that's full-on right yeah it's um and you know, I guess the thing that scared me the most about the PCT, one or one of the things was, you know, bears was a big thing um, yeah. before I realised that they weren't actually anything to worry about on the PCT. But the next biggest thing was the uh, the snow and I thought, oh, it'll be fine. Um, and then it turned out it was a really high snow year and sort of before, a few weeks before I was leaving, I was thinking, oh, gosh, please just let it melt. Please make it warm and so I don't have to deal with this snow. Um but we, so when we finished the TA, um, it was only about six weeks before I went and before we, um, after I got home and when I went to, to the US and Adam finished the TA pretty skinny and pretty um, weary and and he had actually not quit his job but just had a leave of a period of leave so he ended up going back to work for a few months and I went and started the PCT on my own so I was also yeah. starting off on my own um, after we'd been walking together and living in a tent together for six months so that was also a change yeah. um, 
Yeah, and so so I was still feeling pretty anxious about it, but I was really lucky. So I started the trail. Um, there's a couple of uh, trail angels. So this is a really big thing in the US and one of the most beautiful things about American uh, through hiking culture is the the trail community yep. and there, there are two trail angels based in San Diego in California and they host thousands of hikers every season in their house they send up big tents in their backyard um, and they put on food for everyone every day three meals a day they shuttle you into town to get food and get a, a US phone card and get gear and anything you need um, and then you can stay with them if you're in international for up to three days before the hike and then they ship you all out to the start of the trail and set you off on your way so that was incredible and it was really comforting to have that starting a trail in somewhere so foreign when you, you know you don't know anyone and I ended up meeting um, a couple of people there and, and started the trail with this group of guys who ended up you know uh, are still in touch with them now and um, you know hiked with them pretty steadily for a couple of months um, and then wow. sort of saw them on and off on the trail right up to the end. So, And what month was it that you started? So it started in April, so okay. late April. Um, yeah. Yeah, and, and no, yeah, normally by that stage the, the snow is pretty much melted, but um, unfortunately it was a high snow year for, for us, so that meant um, learning how to use an ice axe and micro spikes and just dealing with snow and I never – never walked on snow before so it was completely are you a skier do you no no Ah. I've been on the annual school ski trip once and that was about it yeah yeah okay yeah it's pretty um it's pretty brutal yeah Yeah. (laughs) when I was trekking in Nepal we had a full snow day and it's just as well it just because it covers everything you don't know what you're walking on and so you're like this stuff could just fall away and um you know yeah if you lose sight of people you're like I could go in any direction and I don't know where I am it's very disorientating yeah for sure yeah Oh my gosh! Um, yeah, so I'm I'm basing a lot of my PCT knowledge, as I'm sure a lot of people do, <laughs> off the movie Wild and the book. I read the book too. Um, so did you did you read that or watch that? I have. I, I've read the book and I've watched the movie. Um, yeah, it's it's very different now, and I think the trail is a very different experience now. And a lot that of was people, twenty years ago. She did. Yeah, yeah, it was a long time ago. So there's definitely less people doing the trail. Uh, a lot of people who not, who hike the trail are quite negative about that book and about the movie because I think it's you know encouraged more people to hike the trail that maybe shouldn't be hiking it. But um, yeah, I think it's also a good thing if it encourages people to get outside and and do these things. So um, yeah, some similarities. Um, I think she also had a high snow year and, and skipped the Sierras though. So um, ah. yeah, yeah. Uh, and maybe didn't walk all the trail um but yeah it's um some of it true but she also had pretty poor gear choices yes I remember that was a big (laughs) uh yeah I mean the gear has changed it would be so lightweight now but I remember there's um you know where she started out with just so much stuff yeah and just basically went to a shop and just bought up everything and then um over the time yeah she had somebody help her and really like sort out 
what she shouldn't shouldn't have. Yeah. And I, I, I that's that was very vivid that bit for me. I was like, <laughs> I, would be, I was like, but what if you need that? Thing? Yeah, like how do you deal with having so little? And I guess I know I've done trips now, and you you just do wear the same stuff and get on and you manage it and and you get yeah yeah, when you have to pack your bag every single day you get pretty good at (laughs) working out where things go and and what's accessible and exactly I mean and that's still a thing like pack shakedowns is still a thing um so you can get people to help you look through your pack and and just and kind of be really critical on what maybe you don't need what you do need um you do you learn pretty really quickly you know you have bare minimal and um and nothing else so you know might carry I'd carry one spare pair of undies and people would think that that was a luxury so um people get get really really fanatical about you know about their gear and about how much things weigh so there's definitely no excess you know and have the clothes you're wearing um something warm some rain gear and, and a spare pair of undies and and spare pair of socks as well uh, and that was it in terms of clothes and yeah very minimal sleep setup um sleeping bag and you know making the most of everything so instead of having like a block pillow I would uh take my my warm jacket and put that inside yes. a, um a stuff sack of a night and sleep on that um and things like that so you get pretty yeah pretty used to it the the socks (laughs) I do I do agree with having a second pair of socks because they're like if your feet get sore like and if you've you know if your feet get wet or whatever and I think there's just also pressure points like I think having being able to change this alternate the socks is really important because yeah if your feet aren't working you're done yeah exactly and Um, how were your feet like how were you like on those two trips did you guys suffer any injuries or Oh, pretty lucky. Um, I was pretty lucky on both accounts. Adam had a hard time in New Zealand, not with blisters or anything like that, but um, he his feet were really painful from the walking on roads so much. Yes. Um, I didn't have it as bad, but, yeah, he, he was in a lot of pain on the North Island and it got better on the South Island. And um, I was in boots for most of the North Island and then, when we moved across to the South Island, I ended up um, transitioning to trail runners and my boots wore out. But it was pretty good. I had a few minor blisters, but nothing major. Yeah. Your feet toughen up really quickly. Um, and particularly like in New Zealand, the Kiwis are pretty tough, so they won't take their shoes off to walk through a stream because it's so wet over there. Your feet are normally wet anyway. So you get used to just walking in wet shoes all the time and then we got really used to that style of walking and then when we went to the US people thought I was nuts because they'd be taking off their shoes to walk across the stream and I'd just plow straight through and they're like oh what are you doing yeah yeah, get used to it pretty quickly yeah well like it's very tedious as well doesn't it taking your shoes off drying your feet putting them back on and and sometimes that can leave them feeling a bit tender as well so it's kind of like yeah you kind of got to get on but I do like to at the end of the day change the socks because it's it's pretty it's a pretty awful (laughs) feeling putting on the damp socks and it's not nice yeah and there was there was um periods for us in the high sierras when you know we were camped uh, and then towards the end of the trail in Washington, the snow sort of came in early. Um, uh, this is on the PCT that, you know, 
you'd wake up in the morning and everything was frozen. So you'd have your mm. shoes and your socks in the tent, but they'd still be frozen. So you literally just have to force them onto your feet to make them to frost. That was pretty uncomfortable. Well, I got the best tip when we were in um, Nepal because the rooms were just so, you've been, have you been in Nepal? Yeah. Yeah. The room, even inside, it's weird. Sometimes it's like almost colder inside than it is outside. The insulation in buildings is terrible. I remember one night it was like like minus 19 inside Um, and our guide told us put your underwear and your socks and like all your, whatever you want to wear on your body in yeah. your tent, uh, in your um, sleeping bag with you, as well as your electronics so that they won't freeze and they'll stay with your body temperature. And then in the morning yeah. you put your nice warm things on. It does make a difference. It's a huge difference because, yeah. oh, my God, it's just, uh, I find always like my nose, a bit my nose being out. I can't yeah, sleep. yeah. <laughs> your nose is cold and you're like, but then you can't breathe because you're inside. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the trade-off, right? You either suffocate or you have or a frozen, have a freezing face. nose. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, and everyone, and you need the sleep because you've got to rest for the trip and you're like but you're like I can't sleep because my nose is cold <laughs> yeah oh. that's the, the the fun but um so yeah. how so did Adam do sort of like the second half with you like how did he get uh, to meet yeah. you so he joined me um uh, at the Sierras so at Lone Pines mm, I don't know how many miles it is in but um it was about two months in and um we just kind of had to guess and then it worked out pretty good guess uh, and I waited for him maybe a day or two in town before he he got in on his flight but we were pretty ambitious or he was pretty ambitious because that's going into some of the highest uh highest altitude on the trail so he went from you know a couple of months you know working long hours sitting at a desk eating takeaway to you know uh up at a few thousand feet um and where we sort of rejoin the trail together you have the option to hike uh mount whitney which is the tallest mountain in the u.s and we thought oh we'll give it a go uh and it was definitely the wrong idea (laughs) so it was uh only a couple of days after rejoining the trail and uh he ended up getting pretty bad attitude sickness and we had to come back down. Yeah. But it was sort of a rough entrance for him, but he, a rough introduction for him. But after those first couple of rough days, he was pretty, pretty good after that. So he was a trooper. Oh, wow. No, yeah. yeah. I, I think I remember you posting that you guys had, yeah, gone given it a crack and because I was following your journey. I just, mm. I mean, I can't believe it. So how many miles and do you know that in kilometres it is? Yeah, so it's just over, I think it's 4,200 kilometres. Um, yeah, so 2,600 miles. That's meant, That's like Sydney to Brisbane times four. <laughs> like that's like, yeah, yeah that's, that's a lot of space. It is a lot. But, you know, it's um, and people have asked me, like, don't you get bored? Like how do you just walk every day? But yeah. you see so much different stuff and it's just such a lovely way to travel and it's a lovely way of living. Like so simply you learn what you need and what you don't need and you just appreciate everything. You appreciate being warm and dry and you appreciate the amazing things you see. And every day there'll always be something, uh, you know, new and beautiful and you'd have your hard days, but it's also you'd, you'd have 
the best days as well. So it's definitely an amazing way to travel. And so on the PCT, there's not really that um, holidaying as much is there, but like how do you plan in like rest days? Like how did you factor that in? Yeah, there's definitely not not sort of the holiday vibe that we had on the TA, even though the TA is really tough going, like the terrain's actually probably more rugged rugged than the PCT but um, and a bit steeper. But, uh, yeah, you definitely stretch for time because you've got that weather constraint in the US um, and you've got to make it to Canada before the snow sets in, otherwise you're stuck. So it was pretty go, go, go. So we would normally take a rest day in town uh, if we needed to and a lot of people would try and push through. But we'd find that we'd run into people on the trail and they'd be go, 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 and they'd be doing huge days and then they'd get to town and they wouldn't want to stop and then you'd meet them like a month later and they had to take a week off because they had an injury. So yeah. we were, it was kind of like the tortoise and the hare type thing and we were definitely the, the tortoise um, of the of our year class and I think we finished pretty late in the season um, but it worked well for us neither of us are super fast hikers um, so we'd just make sure we had enough time in town to recover so we'd normally take half a day or a day and then um, get refreshed and get back out on trail eat lots yeah usually a tub of ice cream and a pizza (laughs) we'd be back out on trail (laughs) And how long is a day? Like what's an average sort of, I guess, you know, it depends on the terrain obviously. Yeah. You know, you don't go as far but it's a longer day. I totally understand that. But what sort of would you aim for? Yeah, so it does vary sort of earlier on in the trail. I tried not to do really long days, so then maybe 20-mile days um, and you've got to be mindful of the heat as well and trying to walk when it's not so hot um, uh, through the Sierras you know like 12 miles might be a great day and you know you're also constrained by the passes and because everything was snow covered you'd have to be mindful that you were getting up and over a pass while the snow was still quite firm and so you'd have to do that early in the day and then you might have to wait the next morning until you could tackle the next pass so you know like 12 15 miles might have been a really good day in the Sierras um, but then once you get your trail legs and you're sort of into Oregon's the next state and you know northern California and it's a little bit flatter you, you know you're doing you could do 30 or 40 miles in a day um, so yeah and and wake up and feel fine the next day so it's it's quite incredible what your body can do from someone that's you know never been quite that fit you you get your fitness up pretty quick and yeah well what was the sort of training you did before New Zealand and obviously then Mm. New Zealand was training for PCT um I would just try and walk everywhere and I would try and walk home from work you know like and that might have been an hour walking home from the city to the inner west um and walked in my boots that I was going to be hiking in yeah uh and tried to walk with a pack and my attitude towards it was I need I just wanted my ankles and my knees to be strong enough that I wasn't gonna injure myself yeah. And I just knew that, you know, it would take a little while to get the rest of the strength up and, you know, be doing long days and whatever and, and not be panting the whole time. But I was okay with that as long as I wasn't going to injure myself, um, you know, and stop myself from being able to hike the rest of the trail. So that kind of served me pretty well. I did, you know, I used to do a lot of aerial yoga and a lot of, yeah. you know, bit of like there was a lot of core strength in that, a um, bit of Pilates and um a bar class doesn't help it doesn't hurt as well with all the 
the legwork. Yeah. So just general fitness, I think, is enough. And that's something that people miss. Um, I know that So because I used to work for the companies that I also did the toileting for, so I'd help mm. people prepare. And I would, I'd just say to them, like, if your legs are strong, because someone gave me the tip, he did Kokoda um, the year that I did my first big trick, which was Kilimanjaro. And he said just squats, squats, lunges, squats, squats, and just. Yeah. Because you can't replicate it. You can't, you, you no. could no way have replicated a six-month trek and no. we can't even replicate a seven-day trek because you're just not going to do that at home. So yeah. having strong legs and strong supporting muscles around those joints and things was a really great tip. And yeah, also terrain, you know, because people do, they train. I had people um, training for the Lara Pinta, which is like, like ground that we don't see. It's red desert. Yeah. And they're training walking around on the, the path you know, in their suburb um, and doing like 5Ks and it's like, yeah, you know, that's it's just not going to prepare you. You've got to get out in the bush yeah, and on uneven ground and. and yeah, get your ankles ready for it. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it totally and then like, you know, I came back from one of my trips and I talked to my physio and I was like, my knees hurt and la, la, la. And he's like, it doesn't matter because I was like, what should I have done? How can I prepare? And, and there's, you know, you know, the strengthening stuff. But he said, ultimately, when you're doing repetitive walking, you know, and you're doing mm. this stuff over consecutive days, you're probably going to be sore. Yeah. Anybody will be, you know, so you kind of got it. I don't know about you, but you got to go in knowing that it's going to be a bit sore. Yeah. Yeah. It hurts. You're in pain <laughs> but when you get up in the mornings and, you know, it took not as much after the PCT, but after the TA, it probably it probably took until I started the PCT just for my feet not to hurt in the morning when I would get up. Like I'd get up out of bed, put my feet on the floor, and I'd forgotten about this actually, but you'd, <laughs> your feet would be in so much pain for about 30 minutes <laughs> until like they kind of warmed up because it's just the like the weight on them all day yep. and on the hard ground. Yeah, it's just there is an element of pain and you will, yeah, you'll be stiff. Um, but I think stretching is really important as well to stretch while you, when you can, because um, that can also cause some damage if you're not stretching. Absolutely. Mm. And so what would you say, you know, it's probably a hard thing to say, but, um, and we'll go back to the PCT, what what was the best bit? Mm. Or what was your highlight or what was, what was the thing you took away? I think in terms of... Uh, in terms of part of the trail, definitely the Sierras uh, because of something so different, like seeing so much snow, having to learn to use an ice axe and conquering these high mountain passes, that was something I never would have thought I could do. And if I knew how scary it was going to be for me going into it, I probably wouldn't have done it. Yeah. But it was so spectacularly, spectacularly beautiful and we don't have anything like that here and seeing the clear mountain lakes and that alpine environment where you're above the trees, that was just yeah. incredible. And to be in it for such an extended period of time was amazing, but it was also it was quite tough. Um, and then I think the other thing for me was I'd never been to the US before and you, you really? really mixed things. No, never oh been. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> See, I like, you know, you hear growing up in Australia, you hear all the mixed things about the US, you hear all these things in the news and you just think, oh, what's it actually going to be like there? But the people were so beautiful and the trail community is incredible. Mm. And I can't imagine 
Australians being as generous and as welcoming as as people that we met supporting um, the trail there. You know, you'd have absolute strangers camp out in the middle of nowhere to bring people food in the middle of the trail or offer you their place to stay at and you're a complete stranger but they you know shower you and feed you and kind of pick you up from the trail get you back on the trail run you out to do shopping like just incredibly generous people um so yeah that was also a really good part of it as well yeah and I think um like some people are really especially like Australia and and the UK and stuff I think people think um that going to America it's going to be like here um and just a commercial version of here but in terms of landscape it's so different it's epically stunning I mean yeah massive so it spans such a, a huge and you got to see such a huge part of it um but the people yeah I've I've been 14 times and, wow um, that's incredible <laughs> well my cousin's there okay uh, you know, like I just got sent I've got a blanket behind me that was made by my friends you know I've got a lady messaging today like who's going to send me a, a package as well for the baby Aww. like they just and where my cousin lives is the midwest and it's just like it's that all American type yeah. welcoming vibe. And they just they just think of me as family now. And, you know, they're just and they are very generous. I, I say that, you know, like I think we see Americans outside of America too and when they're traveling. And to be honest, they can be a bit obnoxious and, and they're aware <laughs> of it too. They know. Um, but Americans in America I love. Yeah. Absolutely love. And you know, there's different cultures. You would have seen it too, different cultures across the states um, yeah. because they're so big and they are so far from each other that yeah. they have, They each place has their own culture. So I think people, um, I would, I, we would really want to do one time like a, a road trip in the US, um, mm. you know, and, and go across the different, I've been to 11 states, but um, I would love, you know, there's 50. Yeah, that's <laughs> incredible. I keep getting this wrong, but anyway. <laughs> it's in my head wrong, but anyway. There's a lot of states, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's, it's so big. A big misconception about America. Um, definitely. States, it's, they are lovely people. Yeah, I think I think we've got definitely got, you know, tall poppy syndrome here and I think we're a bit wary of people yeah, it's different over there. And it, it might be part, partly the trail as well, but, like, for example, when we were sort of, you know, uh, up in Washington, this lady reached out and she'd sort of been following hikers on the trail and she'd retired and her husband was still working, so she had a little bit of free time. And she was in Seattle and she was like, if you ever need anything, like, close to the trail. And we didn't need anything at the time, but we messaged her when we finished the trail and we said, oh, we're going to be coming back through, like, could we stay with you? We thought, why not? We'll just ask her. And they ended up being the most beautiful people and we're still in touch with them. And we got the bus into Seattle. She came and met us in the city. She took our bags from us and was like, you just go explore. Gave us like whatever their version of the Opal card is like to get. Yes. And she told us how to get back to their house on the on transport. And then they took us out for dinner and like she made us pie she did all these incredible things um showed us around the city like just I and I I just can't imagine someone doing that 
here in Australia? I don't know. Maybe I'm a bit cynical, but yeah. <laughs> well, you know, and it's I think when you've lived in your own city for a long time too, but I mean, and their appreciation of the outdoors too. Like mm. there's a big culture across the US um, and I love seeing it, the hiking and the camping and the just generally being out and about and, and they take it pretty seriously in some places. So, um, yeah, that it's incredible and yeah. how I love that the trail angels and uh, you know, I saw a little bit of that and, you know, and read a little bit about the book, but I didn't know if, you know, how much was still going on. And, and then the fact yeah. that you meet other people, Were, was it mostly American travelers that you met? Um, is it mixed actually? Um, so, you know, I started the trail with, you know, some Americans, English, Europeans, few Australians, Kiwis. It's a really, really big mix. Yeah. And then less so. Still, there's not great diversity in, in in hiking, like in the through hiking scene now, which is, you know, I think something that's becoming more topical at the moment. And some people, so we, yeah, some people from Asian countries and, um, but, yeah, not as much. So it's mainly sort of Europe and, yeah, Australasia and and the US and the UK but yeah it's a bit of a mix well and it can be um I mean you can do it somewhat cheaply but I think maybe Mm. as well some of the gear could be a bit um you know if if people can't afford the gear to do a trek like that you you're not gonna you just can't yeah it's definitely like there's a high proportion it seemed like we were actually one of the smaller demographics so it seems like you get a lot of young kids that have kids that I sound like an 80 year old, but you get a lot of young people that might've just finished school or uni that are like, Oh, I'll take my gap here and I'll, I'll spend my time hiking. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is awesome. Um, I was definitely not that ambitious and I was 19. <laughs> I was obviously getting drunk with you in Prague. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which is also great. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um yeah and then sort of the you know there's also like older people so like people who sort of you know done the house and kids and whatever and then they were sort of enjoying their retirement so yeah it was probably like less people in that middle age demographic I think because people are mostly like working they've got a mortgage and like starting to have kids and that sort of thing um yeah which was interesting very interesting. And so do you have other big treks on your bucket list now or are mm. you sort of hanging up the boots for a little while? Or? Well, at the moment I'm working and I've, uh, yeah, I've got two awesome jobs at the moment. So, but at the moment I'll be working and with, you know, with things uh, um, the way they are at the moment. Um, but I've, you know, I've been thinking for a while it would be cool to do like a long walk through Australia. So there is a, a trail that goes sort of up the east, not on the coast, but sort of relatively on the east coast, and that's the Bicentennial National Trail. And that's similar to the PCT. It was started as a um, an equine trail and still is used as an equine trail, but um, it's not the greatest for walking. So I've been thinking about that and maybe adapting parts of that. There are a couple of guys who have done it, but not many people have, have walked the whole thing. Um, and I've also been eyeing off Bibbulum Track in uh, in WA as well. Okay. Um, which, yeah, I think it's it. Anyone who's walked it or 
reviews that you read of people say it's just a really pleasant walk. So that's about a thousand Ks. Um, Which to you now is like, whatever. <laughs> I'll do it in a weekend. Like, <laughs> no, that would take like a, a two months. So. Yeah, a couple of months. I think a couple of months would be good. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's meant to be quite nice. You don't have any really dramatic views, but it, I think just, yeah, it's meant to be quite a nice walk. So. There's a few what about things. like the El Camino or, or any of those sort of ones, or are they are, you, are they too touristy for you? <laughs> Do you know, like I I ha, you know like I'm going to be honest, I had kind of written off the El Camino because I thought, oh, so many people around, but you know, I I'm thinking about it. So like I met this Spanish guy on the PCT, and unfortunately, he ended up having to stop the trail. So I started the trail with him. Um, and he had to stop quite early because he had knee issues. But um, he was like, you know, just he sold it to me because he was like, it's such a great, like, great way to meet people and you're just eating and drinking every it's night very and yeah. very social. And I was like, actually, that does sound kind of nice. And I thought maybe for my 40th, I'll do that, you know, like you were. Well, and considering what you've done, it would be like <laughs> practically luxurious. Like other people are there and they're like, this is a challenge. You'd just be like, I'm just getting to the next vino. Like just keep walking. Um, and I'm I'm a bit of a purist for that one. I was my one of my friends went in. I've, I've been invited a couple of times to go. Yeah. They were doing it um, like a week of it or they were going to do one part mm. and then get a train. And for me, I'm like, when I commit to something, I, I would be the same if I ever did decide something like the PCT. I'd be like, I'm if I'm doing it, I'm doing it all. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So for me, yeah, it's been I, I do the well, and even then, um, the El Camino has longer routes as well. But I was going to do the, yeah. the traditional ones, like um, from France to um, um, Santiago, da, 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 you know, Compost, de Compostela, yeah. Uh, so yes, I was just interested. So wondering if yeah. uh, you would go and do some of the other bucket listy type ones now, or if they were a bit like, <laughs> no, yeah, <laughs> tourists. I think I would. Um, yeah, I, and I've also been. There's a couple of great hikes in Iceland as well. There's there's cool stuff everywhere. Like there's a really cool one you can do in Japan where you go to like different temples and heaps of cool stuff. So yeah. yeah. And it's just, it's a little bit addictive, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> That's the problem. Like I did Manjaro <laughs> and then I heard about Kokoda and then I was like, ooh, Machu Picchu. And then when you're there, somebody else has done another one and uh, I'm also competitive. Yeah. So I'm like, well, if you've done that one, I'm going to go and do it, you know. Yeah. Like doing a trek in Bhutan, actually a good one, um, the Snowman I'd Trail. I love to go to Bhutan. That's been on my list for yeah a while. it's a 30-day one I think it's called the snowman trail or something mm, okay I, I told my guide I'm going to come back and do it and he was like I don't think you can and I was like oh. because you've said that I will actively come back and do it yeah Just to prove you wrong. like challenge accepted buddy yeah so yeah there's there is the world is is um is there to explore and, and as exactly. you said before trekking and walking you just see stuff and that you just cannot see any other way and I think yeah. there's that um you know yes you could get there sometimes you could get there by helicopter or something like there's another way to access it but there's for me that sense of earning it yeah I've earned that view I don't and know. it's it's the immersiveness I think as well being a yeah something special about hiking 
And you write, um, like, yeah, going around a corner and, you, you know, you've got that, you know, building up and then to have that view revealed in front of you that you didn't know was going to be there, that that it's breathtaking. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I love it. Oh, yeah, it's definitely I, more to do. And there's I'm, still more in the U.S. to do as well. There's so much in the U.S. There's, you know, may also maybe thinking about the CDT, which kind of goes through the middle of the U.S., but it's, um, yeah, there's lots. <laughs> well, I am absolutely in awe. I, I loved following your journey on there and we'll put up a couple of photos um, for the listeners. Um, absolutely. Congratulations. It's a huge achievement and I'm sure you have memories for a lifetime. So thank you for sharing some with uh, us. Thanks, Em. Thanks for following. It was great to chat to you. You too. And thank good you. to catch up. Thanks for listening, everyone. Um, I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Um, Already looking forward to the next one. Uh, We also have a rather extensive back catalogue for you to check out. Um, But in the meantime, you can uh, follow us on Instagram. That's at Lovely Travels on Instagram. Or you can come and check us out on Facebook, Lovely Travels. That's L-O-V-E-L-L-Y. Or we would love for you to join our Facebook community uh, with more than 500 members talking all things travel and adventure. That's the Lovely Travels community. You can also visit our website, which is lovelytravels.com. Or shoot us an email. We love hearing from our listeners. So please send us an email, feedback, comments, questions, whatever. Info at lovelytravels.com. And you can listen, review, subscribe, like, share, and promote our podcast in any shape, way, or form. Uh, We are on Spotify, iTunes, the internet, uh, Google Podcasts, everywhere where you get podcasts, you will find us. All good podcasting locations. So tune in next time, guys. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you then. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.